Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 as part of the following on podcast. I'm John Norman and today bring you an exclusive interview between two former England teammates and great friends. Steve Harmison, former England fast bowler, speaking with uh, his mate, really, the former England and Kent batsman, Robert Key. Over the course of the hour, they discuss their memories growing up together, making their England debut at the same time and what it was like for Rob to score a double hundred at Lords. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. Steve Harmison in conversation with Rob King. Rob, thanks very much for for joining us. I think first of all, you're talking about you know, careers and where things started. Cricket was in the family growing up. Mum, Dad, both both had a, a a strong passion for the game. Yeah, my mum ironically played more than my dad. My dad was more of like tennis and squash, and my mum used to play cricket. So I would. You know, she, I remember her, she'd sort of throw balls at me and stuff like that. And she was a good squash player as well, my mum. And I played all those sports, you know, all tennis, squash, any ball sport, football. As you know, I'm a very good footballer. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, so my mum was probably the one who used to drive me around everywhere and got me playing that the most. But because I played tennis and squash, then cricket, I, I think that's a great game for kids to play. Because if you can do that, if you can play tennis or squash, you can play anything, I reckon. You know, with a ball, you can play golf. You can, you know, there's so much you can do. And I was lucky. I spent a lot of my childhood playing all those sports. You mentioned about playing, you know, mum taking you everywhere. You're playing sort of under 15s, under 17s, under 19s. You played a long time under 19s cricket for England. You know, the going into then winning the World Cup. Yeah, I, I reckon I missed you. Now, what, you Just went to it. Pakistan, and then I went quiet for a year and a half. <laughs> and then you came back, and then you came back from Pakistan. And I'd played like under. I was probably under. You were probably went a year or two early, didn't you? Yeah, I went two years earlier than what I that I what I I went Freddie's year with 
Ben Hollyoak and yeah. Sylvia Chute. Yeah. And then the following year, I didn't play any cricket the following year. And I think you played 19s that year. And then that winter, you went to World Cup and you won the World Cup. You, Swanee, Owies, I think Stephen Peters and that group were in, were in that group. Yeah, so we went out there. Stephen Peters did well. You know, most of that side didn't make it. I reckon four years later, more than half of that side were gone from professional cricket. You know, everyone thinks that you play under 19, like England under 19, you're, you're going to go all the way. I reckon there was only myself, Stephen Peters, Paul Franks, who lasted probably five or six years, Oase and Swanee yeah. that actually lasted any time. Not, not even for England. I mean, they had much better England careers than me, Swanee and people like that. But most of that side ended up out of cricket in, in not too long, actually, after that. But yeah, and then, we, then I played that summer and we, we played Pakistan and you played one one-day game, I think. You hit a lad in the pads and he walked off. And yeah, then it was that a was it. We didn't wasn't see it? you again. Yeah, and then we didn't but, see you again. I think we had a night out and then that was it. It was, it was this fellow and then he never turned up again. <laughs> that was, I remember that. I remember playing that game. Then we went up to Chester Street. The game got rained off and Booney was there. Yeah. And Booney went, You are not playing any more 19s cricket. He said, You're injured for the next three weeks. But that <laughs> earlier that summer, you, you'd gone, you got into the um, Kent side. And that was an interesting Kent side in, at the time, you know, looking at the people in the dressing room. It, was a, it wasn't a, exactly an energetic Kent side, but it was a, an <laughs> edgy one, like some marshy, you know, Jazza Fleming, Min Patel, Fultz. The game, I remember the game I played. We had Wilkes and, and McKeag and, and Headley. That was the team that I played against when I first played against you, when I, I managed to give you a few throwdowns <laughs> to get your first first-class 100. I think that was the first time I'd come across you at, at that point. That was your first first-class 100. That's right. We're against that on a bad pitch. I mean, I'm not talking up my hundred. It was a bad pitch, actually. Yeah. You starfish, Carl Hooper, and there was a bit of anarchy at the club about him because Hoops were just—he wasn't that interested, I think. And you got to remember then as well, as you know, Harmy, overseas players didn't have the IPL, so like county cricket was the be-all and end-all outside of international cricket. It was a chance to earn some money. So I reckon Carl Hooper. To put it into context, would have been probably one of the most highly paid players, certainly at Kent. And he would have done all formats, done the whole year. And I reckon he was on 60 grand. You know, I was on eight grand. I remember that. I mean, God knows what you were up in, you know, in Durham. I mean, a couple of Eight, eight grand. Uh, that was an eight grand first year. I'd probably, you know, probably go quite a long way up there. But I was anyway, say we went a little bit further than, <laughs> we went a bit further than yours. But I remember that first game we played in. We played on a wicket, which was just like ridiculously up and down, corrugated green thing. And uh, you lot, you lot got 500. I remember getting the car. He was, well, no, he was, I think we got Fultz out and then Carl Hooper came in. And I got him out first ball. And it was like, yeah. we got, you know, this great start. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> Marsha came in, slogged it everywhere. Jazza came in, slogged it everywhere. You got 100. You got 500. And I remember batting in that game against Headley. And Headley was playing for England at the time. And Headley's yeah, like wanting right. to kill me, wasn't he? Martin McKeag run down the wicket and he's, he's like, you hang around any, any longer, son. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill you. <laughs> I remember we had a big wrestler, Mike, a bouncer, Michael Foster, all-rounder played for us. He yeah. just looked at, he looked at McKeag up and down. And he said, you say one more word to him. And he says, I'll kill you. And I think I got half <laughs> volleys for the next, half volleys for the next five or six overs. But I would imagine that would have been a tough dressing room to go in as a youngster. Well, I remember that game. 
I had a theory because, it, as you say, it wasn't a great pitch. You lot bad first. And I had a theory that if I ran rhythmically, I'd run quicker. And I kept the ball kept going past me. Anyway, I, did, I thought I was being clever. And as I'm sitting there, we have about half a session to bat that night. I can't remember exactly. I reckon I was 60 not out after the first day. So maybe a session. And as I'm getting my pads on, Steve Marsh, who was, Steve Marsh was a hard man. I mean, you didn't see Steve Marsh of an evening unless you went clubbing. I mean, he was, <laughs> he was a very much old school you know, on the Benson and Hedges, all of that. In fact, when I started, I didn't want to be, a, I didn't want to smoke because I want to be a professional cricketer. And when I got in the Kent dressing room, all the better players smoked and none of the, none of the rubbish ones did. So I thought, well, I might as well carry on. <laughs> anyway, That's your excuse. And my, it's actually, I mean, there was a scrum. Remember the Benson and Hedges used to get, this is how yeah. bad cricket was when we started. You played the Benson and Hedges competition and there was 200 fags put in the, in the dressing room and there was a scrum for them. And yeah, I, and, but everyone wants, there was an argument. But anyway, back to myself, I've been running rhythmically and Steve Mars, as I'm getting my pads on to open, he sort of looks at me and he says, he's having a go at Matt Walker and he's really chewing out Matt Walker. You know, like, the, you know, like a football dressing gown, like yeah. a hairdryer from Ferguson. And he's, if you, have, you know, and he's swearing and all of that. And, and I'm sort of laughing, thinking, what's my mate is getting nailed here. And then he just turned to me as I'm getting my pads on. 18 I was, and he said, and you can start running, you, uh, you know, and he's going hard at me. He's, don't you come in here and, until you've got some, and I'm like, oh my God. And I've just put my pads on. I thought, I better get some runs here. And fortunately, I got 60 odd. And he sort of came in and he said, well done. And that was it. But it was a very different, imagine doing that now. I don't think you'd have any, especially before you back. I mean, no one speaks to you, do they? It's like a different world. You know, fags in the dressing room, people, more people smoking than not. People out on the lash all the time at night. How times have changed. <laughs> you say times have changed and it's great. And after that, after that series, you went to Zimbabwe. And I think that was a time when I think everybody knows how close me, you and Fred, you know, Andrew Flintoff have become. But that was the time when a proper friendship was forged. You know, we went to Zimbabwe and had a, and had a, it's going to be crazy over the course of this hour that the majority of the tours we talk about are going to stand like stag do's, but that was the original stag do. We played against the same 11 players everywhere we went, and more often than not, more often than not, we beat them. And then went to South Africa and did, did the same. Did, I mean, that was a good side. Vaughan, he captained it. Yeah. Michael Vaughan. Uh, we had Mal Loy, you, Freddie, who was, Freddie, Freddie was like, he was uh, he was better than all of us, wasn't he? Then Freddie was mm. like from eleven. Freddie was. You know, people remember. I mean, when you come from Kent, you don't play Lancashire, Yorkshire, Durham that often. But we all knew about this Flintoff, and he wasn't bowling much because of his back then. But he was uh, he was mm. a gun batter, wasn't he? And we and then we had you. None of us really knew much about you other than that you were quick and you roughed up Langer, I think, in the for middle when he played for Middlesex. And we knew you were fast, you know. So then we went out there, like you say, it was a, it was a great trip because it was like our sort of Ibiza, like an eighteen to thirties holiday, and it was in the raining season, so we didn't really do much, did we? Did we have that stupid uh, this team building? Remember, did we go to the Lake District team building? You went the like Lake that? District, didn't we? Yeah, now, we went the Lake District for like t- three or four days team building, which we weren't allowed to have a drink at, which we found a pub at the top of the street. <laughs> And then we did all our indoor stuff at Nottingham, didn't we? The indoor school stuff was all based in Nottingham. So you couldn't have put us in the worst place for like three weeks before a 
a pre-camp <laughs> than in Nottingham. So, and Swanee was on that trip as well. Well, Swanee, again, like you, you, Fred and Swanee were so much better than everyone else, really. You know, they were, because you could, I mean, you you were a natural bowler. Freddie was a natural cricketer, and Swanee was just so good. I, I sort of disagree with what people say. Like Nasser and Fletch picked him early, and then he sort of went into the wilderness and came back. Probably, you know, this is when he's twenty. He got picked for England, go to South Africa, and I reckon that he was as good then as when he then became England's best spinner, and then since has become England mm. one of England's great spinners. I mean, on that trip in Zimbabwe, I mean, he was the best bowler by mile. We had Dean Koska, who was okay. But Swanee was on a different level as a spinner. But we, we ended up, I reckon I put on two stone on that trip because we just <laughs> ate steak. At, like, the, the food in Zimbabwe was so cheap, wasn't it? You, yeah. We just go to hotels and you would just eat. And then I remember coming back off it and the Kent lads were laughing at me. They were calling me Jimmy Five Bellies, I think. We came to pre-season. And I just remember, I remember at one stage sort of sitting there thinking, how am I a professional? I mean, this is just, you need to sort yourself out, Keezy. This is just embarrassing. You know, you, you're like you're on a jolly and you're getting paid as a as a professional sportsman. You're a disgrace. I've been on an A-tour. I didn't played that year. I think we had Raoul Dravid at Kent. It was unbelievable. Dravid was the nicest man I think I've ever met. He, he turned up, Raoul Dravid, the great Indian batsman, and he didn't want a car for the first two weeks because he wanted a different player to drive him around. But I remember I had a bad year and then Stewie at the PCA dinner. Do you remember the PCA dinner when you're younger? It's fantastic. Yeah. When you're older, it's terrible. But, but when you're younger, it's like all of you at the end of the season just celebrating and having a big night. And I was half cut when Stewie sort of pulled me at the Albert Hall. And he said, um, what are you doing this winter? And I remember thinking just... Same as ever, just in London with my mates. And he said, you need to get yourself to Perth and get yourself out playing club cricket there. You've got, you know, you've got some ability. You need to, you need to start making the most of it. And I remember that a few days later, I ended up booking a trip and went out to see a guy called Noddy Holder, not the guitarist, Noddy Holder, Langer's batting coach. But I went to see him and that was sort of where I then became, a, you know, went off from being like on moment. Sort of, yeah, that that was it. I went from sort of being some sort of London lash-up lad to, you know, trying to be more professional and get fit. And, you know, then I came and that, that was sort of the beginning of it, really. So, you know, that was probably Stewie was a, one of those moments. Still to come on the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2, Rob Key discusses making his England debut alongside uh, Harmy and their favourite memories of playing together in the England Academy. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. could be it. Ball motoring down towards the tavern stand. It crosses the rope and Robert Key has got that maiden hundred. Quite amazing. Andrew Strauss in his first match at Lords against New Zealand earlier in the season. And now Robert Key takes his opportunity. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 as part of the following on podcast. Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison in conversation with his mate, uh, the former England batsman Rob Key. Here, they discuss what it was like to make their England debuts together and how their cap presentation didn't quite go to plan. But first, they talk about their memories of playing together in the England Academy. Me and you shared a room for a while in the Academy and I just couldn't get my head around what the Academy was trying to teach me because... Here I was, didn't <laughs> want to be there. 
I was like, didn't want to, after a couple of weeks, I didn't want to be there. I was like, fitness wise, I was like, run anybody off the ground because that's all I could do. I could run for, forever. Well, I remember that. I remember, I remember exactly that because we had to run to that pier and we all ran off and you run there and you run back along the beach, obviously. And on the way back, we, you're walking to the pier. And I'm sure you had an ice cream. I can't remember. And we're just flowing <laughs> and you're going, all right, lads. And we used to have to do fitness in that rubbish gym and you're lifting weights. And we, you would just lie down on the middle of the mat. Yeah. I mean, there is no more stubborn person in the world than you if you don't want to do something. But you on that academy trip, I sort of digress. You didn't want to be there and you didn't like to fit and all that stuff. Because, you, you know, you, you could bowl. There's no question about that. But you're the only one who never came off the field. Remember, we could play 12. 12, yeah. And every, all the ball. I think that Canberra game where I won the toss on the flattest pitch ever and bowled, and they got 600 nearly. I bowled I 50 overs. Yeah, but do you remember Tremlett, a yeah. big twig, who's massive now, he's like a bodybuilder. He bowled a couple of balls and went off with a dodgy back. Chews bowled a couple of an over or something and then walked off. So I'm down two bowlers. Jonah, Simon Jones. I mean, this is a proper side, isn't it? Yeah. Simon Jones, but he went. I'm, I'm like, oh my God. I was left with you and Curbs. And Curbs, who's like, I would say to him, I said, let's just bowl 7 2 outside. So you put all the field on the offside. So first ball after T, I'm like, Curbs, you know what you're doing? He said, yeah, yeah, no problem. First ball, he bowls a slower ball, full toss, and gets spelted out. I'm like, oh my God. But you were the only one that never walked off the field then. at any stage, actually. I said, go and ice your back, go and do this. No, no. And I'd always much rather that. I'd much rather have someone who, when the game is on, is prepared to do that and never gives up and always, always tries to get a good result for the team than people who say, you know, like who say the right things and do all the fitness and, you know, they're whatever the coach says, you know, they make out the coaches like Jimmy Carr because every time they say something, they're laughing at their rubbish jokes or something. You know, and that's one thing I'd always say about you, mate. You, you never, ever back down, I don't think. And that and that trip, I felt as though I got to know you more and got to know Fred and, and, and Swanee and a few others more on that trip because of, of the times where it wasn't like whinging and moaning, but we were doing things that I didn't believe was was relevant to cricket and it was like I, I was like i'm getting on a plane for 24 hours i just want to play cricket give me a ball now ball but i don't want to go and run do you to remember the that? Back. i don't want to do cooking do you i don't remember want going to do to... the gym i want to just bowl but cricket bowls as many as i can do you remember when we went they sent us to sandhurst were you at sandhurst yeah, yeah I... I mean what what was that about they sent, they sent us out with that dummy and we went to the pub <laughs> Yeah, that's right. What they did was, didn't they? They we had to they call it the Barossa, and you go out into the, this wood. And when you get into Sandhurst, you got a you they check under your car and you know proper security to get into Sandhurst with all the officer cadets. And they, we knew that we, they were going to send us out camping. And all these officers or trainee officers are out there, aren't they? And they've all been, you know, they they've been out for seven days. They've not had any food, and they've not had, you know, they've been properly sleep deprived. But we thought we, we we all went to Tesco's. I remember yeah. wherever it was. Fred, myself, and you. We got like Maltesers, Watsits, <laughs> and all this all this food. Chews. I'm sure Chews had a miniature DVD player because it was before iPads. And I remember we were walking around, and all these cadets are walking around, looking like they're about you know on their last legs. 
And there's us with just like Maltesers and what's it? See how lads, you want some of that? Yeah, they didn't. And you know, that I wouldn't say it was a, an eye opener for me going to Australia because it was the first time I'd, I'd sort of been across there. But then that were, I think it stood us in good stead going back when we did in like two years' time when we went for, for the Ashes. But we got, I always said the best day of my my career was getting picked for England. And it's always nice when you get picked for England one one of your best mates. And we get picked in that, that test match. Si, Simon played and got injured against India at, at Lord. Right, yeah. And then I think Trez got injured as well. So me and you get picked. And is that, I remember the few days before, you know, sitting in the Chinese around the corner from the hotel. Like, <laughs> Because we went down, we went down at reception like six o'clock, like you normally would for for a, maybe the beer when with all the team, and there's nobody there. And I was like wondering, <laughs> well, where is everybody? Does nobody socialise or nothing like that? And that was an eye opener for me that we were now in a an England dressing room, which was completely different to to the county scene. But they were all very serious, weren't they? I mean, that that they were, and you realise it when you're older. Right? But we were what 23? 22, 23. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, 22, 23. And I remember, I mean, NASA, I watched, these are all people I'd watched on TV and NASA was captain and very serious captain, very good captain, but very serious. Stewie would have been nearer 40, probably. Mm. John Crawley was a great bloke. All the, you know, they're all good blokes, but it was very different, wasn't it, to what we'd sort of grown up in. And I remember NASA, remember how he got, I've told cap, this story yeah. and he disputes it. Do you remember, but you tell it because then it's not me and he, you know someone else is backing up my story going how when we got like because let me just put it in there before you do nowadays you see when they like draft in an ex-player to come and give a great speech and hand you your cap and it's a massive moment goes all over social media tell them how we got our cap oh, i remember i'll never forget grab's first because grab was standing next to picket <laughs> fence money at the door at the gear i was going to ask you but seeing as though nasa who works with the old time doesn't believe you <laughs> I'll tell this story to Nasser Hussain because I remember him coming <laughs> off. We had, I'm not sure. I think he had, we only won a loss. To, we lost the toss, didn't we? So we feel it first. And he comes off. He's come walking past. And Grab's got these two caps for me and you. And he give, Grab give Nasser the caps. And Nasser had a you know, weird sense of humour. And it was like, <laughs> he thinks he's funny by doing it. But he just threw his cap at me and was like, well done, Durham. Mum and dad are standing about <laughs> 10 yards away waiting to take a, a picture of that me, my best mate Rob Key, David Graven, the chairman of selectors, <laughs> and the England captain who has been playing yeah, since 1990. I've been watching since 1990 on TV, Nasser Hussain, yeah. to give us our first cap. And it was like, well done, Durham, well done, Kent, and walked straight back past <laughs> us. And like two seconds later, there's, there's me and you standing there with like weird look, looks on our face, and Grav had <laughs> hot chip in his mouth, staring, trying to get a picture. So it was a weird, it was a weird capping ceremony, but. I still go down as one of the best moments of my career. I don't know about you. Oh, yeah. It's a matter. I mean, that's everything you dream about, isn't it, really? Playing for England. And I remember I got stuffed by a journalist, actually. Like, probably I the remember only the leading up to career. it when Fletcher asked two fields that slip because we've got no Triscotti. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but this is, this is what I say to NASA. You know, everyone thinks that England cricket. I mean, there we are going for a Chinese the night before. You know, how's that? I mean, can you imagine Usain Bolt having a Chinese before the 100 metres? It's ridiculous. You know, and, you know, Fred's there. He's already becoming a bit of a name. And I just remember, I say this to NASA, like two days before, 
we walk around. This is the England cricket team, and I, I was, in, I hated the slips because I was get so bored. You can't concentrate. You know, you're just chatting, and it's just not. You have to, you know, it's just annoying place. And I dropped catches there, which is probably the main reason I hate it. And this is the England team. Or two days before, and Fletcher's sort of going, "Who does slip?" And I'm thinking, "Who does slip?" This is England. You know, who does slip. And Fred said, "Keezy will do it." And I'm like, I'm not doing slip, you idiot. And Fletch goes, okay, you do it. I went, okay, fine. And that's how I ended up, you know, the most crucial position in a test match. There's me at 23 thinking, well, I can't, you know, I can't catch. And Fred had only done it, so I had to stand next to him and we could check because we're the three of us. We're obviously best mates. And Stewie was the keeper. And, I, and NASA was at mid-off and Sachin or someone's batting, or Ganguly, I can't remember it. And he said, um, he, um, about halfway through an over in the first morning, Fred and I are chatting to, to telling Stewie what we used to get up to, like the stories I'm telling, you know, we're talking about here, you know, what happened on the A-Tour and what happened in the academy. And Stewie's sort of laughing along and then we're going off. And halfway through the over, NASA, he shouts out, he just goes, Oi, Key, you fat. I didn't put you there to chat to your fat mate all day. Concentrate, you and I'm like, oh, my God, he's just sprayed me. <laughs> and Fred turned around and just went, don't drop one now, Bob. I thought, oh, my God, don't drop one now. And then and then Fred dropped one. And I remember walking past you. The two years are, well, Fred's got a sheepish look on his face. You're <laughs> waiting yourself. Stewie's the same. And you, you turn around and it was like, what's Fred's TV program? Drop the dead donkey. Like <laughs> and then you went and dropped one about two minutes later. And then all of a sudden, Fred well, starts laughing. And NASA then, steam was coming out of NASA then. That was, um, that was the next test in uh, Headingley. Remember when Fred had a double hernia and they, he played. And, you know, I always just, my view is, uh, you know, at least like in life, I'd much rather people were taking the mickey out of you, you know, because the day that people stop doing that, that's when you worry. When no one wants to talk to you, that you know, that's when you worry. When no one's, because you know, it's almost like they don't think you're any better than that. So that was all. I'd write, you know, when you drop a catch, I reckon this happens in every school, club, county, England, whether you're in Australia or wherever. You drop a catch and no one talks to you. And I remember Fred dropped Banger, and I sort of thought, well, I'll just try and lighten the mood. He's like, what's your favourite film? Like drop zone, he's like, oh, shut up. <laughs> drop the dead donkey, drop dead Fred. And I thought, you know, I'm lightening the mood. And then I dropped three catches. <laughs> and after the third one, he's not even taking the mickey. And I remember you bowled in your debut, didn't you bowl four maidens? And I don't reckon they could have hit one. I couldn't hit one of them. I was that nervous on my debut. I bowled the first four overs with maidens and I couldn't hit one of them. They were leaving them and outside of stump. The and I was bowling bouncers that would they would have been wide nowadays. So I was honestly they were the worst four over. They were the they were the worst four overs I reckon any debutants ever delivered down, <laughs> and they went for not one run. I didn't go for I mean, a run. It was like, and I remember Stewie going, a bit nervous, harm here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then yeah, I remember it's like Sachin batting and NASA sledging Sachin. That was fun. I say to him now, <laughs> I'm a silly point. And Sachin Tendulkar's there, and Nasser's just like, because he would walk away, he would, Sachin would sort of, wouldn't say a word, and he would just walk to the side, and Nasser like, we'll wait for you, Sachin, we'll wait for you then, shall we, and all of this. Sachin's running the game, and then he smashed us for 190, I think. But Tendulkar is a good enough player to hit it through straight mid-on. 
And that is a magnificent century from uh, Sachin Tendulkar. He overtakes Don Bradman now. Vodica, Vaughan, Fred got a pair. Vaughan got him out, didn't he? Vaughan, get, Vaughan got him out and he's like, Michael Vaughan's giving it the oh, big one. Right. Saying, it was one of the best balls of all time. He bowled him off spin through the gear. He got 193. Plenty more to come on the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. Former England teammates Steve Harmison and Rob Key discussing their experiences of playing in an Ashes series in Australia and what it was like to score a double hundred at Lords. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 as part of the following on podcast. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. Inside edge. Australians very confident. Steve Buckner nods. And unfortunately for England, Michael Vaughan dis- disappears. He played very well. But that one looked to me like it just nipped back fractionally off the scene. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on Talk Sport 2 as part of the following on podcast Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison sitting down with a former England batsman, Rob Key. And if you missed any of the show so far or wish to catch up, you can listen back to the podcast available via the free Talk Sport app. But here, the two former England teammates discuss their experiences of playing in an Ashes series down under. This is the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. Then we went to Australia that winter and 
again it was yeah. it was uh, that was a, that was a good trip it was an enjoyable trip me and you both came in the second test match because we were in the nets i remember when we were in the nets when the tannoy went england have won the toss and then they said oh we're going to bowl for england have said they're going to england are going to bowl first i think me you and fred were in the nets because fred we took goffey who was injured fred was injured there was a few others injured and we had just got back into the ground, I think, when Simon got when Simon did his knee. And he knocks a four. Wow, it's not happening for England. Oh, careful. And he's in trouble. Oh, it's Jones yeah. too. And we came in for the second test in Adelaide. I remember having the ball round the wicket at Steve Waugh and Nasser absolutely <laughs> abusing Steve Waugh. And it was like, what's going on here? Well, I, I, one thing about, like, that's the thing about Nasser. He didn't back down from anyone. He not was seriously once, no. clever. He's one of my favourite uh, favorite blokes in the world, you know, and he went to war. You know, NASA, NASA was, you know, NASA didn't want to ever take a backwards step. NASA sort of toughened up English cricket, he did, didn't yeah. he? And, and it was good because, you know, we like youngsters thinking, yeah, hey, let's go and have a crack here. But there was a bit of, there was quite a bit of scarring, I felt, from that side. Yeah, and they were so good, weren't they? That, that, that Australian team were unbelievable. Mm. Yeah, and Steve Waugh was someone that I'd played with him at Kent. And he, he was just someone you didn't really sledge too much because he's one of those that makes him play better. But NASA, you know, he just he just let him have it really, which I quite respected actually. Mm-hmm. And he had you, Steve Waugh used to back away to you, didn't he? I remember being at short leg. Got me, yeah. And you're running in bowling bounces at him, and he was just backing away and carving you over cover point. Or something. He gave him one. Yeah. That was the issue with Adelaide. He came, when Steve Waugh came in, NASA gave, I think, Damian Martin a single to get him on strike of bowling around the wicket. And I think it's not a misfield and Steve Waugh just turned around and NASA and was like, don't mess with mother cricket sort of thing. And it, I, I just thought that was a fascinating series to be involved in. You know, next test match at Perth was, you know, you get 40-odd against Brett Lee. And I mean, Brett Lee was bowling. NASA gives you a stick about it now, getting out for Damian Martin. But <laughs> that was as tough a cricket as I'd ever ever seen that that test match i mean we're lucky aren't we because when you finish you i mean you're much you know better than i was but when you finish you sort of look around and it's the, you don't remember the game so much you remember the people you played against and we played against the, the best team ever in their pomp probably mm. and perth was quick and i remember brett lee was bowling thunderbolts it was literally like oh how on earth Am I going to play this? Oh, that's going a nasty run. That's nasty. And I remember getting a run and slipping on the, on because the squares are so hard and slipping. And you know when you land on your coccyx and it really hurts and you're like, oh no. And I remember just... You had a bit of protection like, though. <laughs> you know where your coccyx is. <laughs> but anyway, he went, and Shane Warne was such a, Shane Warne, it was a myth about Shane Warne that he was, yeah, he would sledge you, and he would. But he was a great, you know, he's a great bloke, boy. And he sort of, I think, came up, so just run on the side, mate. And I thought, like, oh, thanks a lot, Shane. But they were all like, again, they were, they were. That, that was like the best players all in one team. Remember, like Gilcrest. I remember meeting Gilcrest at Alan Border Oval before the series, and him sort of saying, "Hi, Rob, I'm Adam." And I thought, "Yeah, I know who you are. You know, you're one of my heroes. You know, I got more heroes in this team than I have the Kent than the England team." <laughs> you know, I'd rather be with you lot. And they were just something else. And, yeah, that they had, this sort of summed it up. Michael Vaughan, who played brilliantly on that trip, he had a view that you had to score. And that 
if you had, like, so the players before, so the generation before Warney, they would practice leaving Michael Vaughan, uh, Glenn McGrath's length. So they get the bowling machine on and they put it on at like 85 mile an hour, which is probably quicker than McGrath. And they would just practice leaving it, leaving it, leaving it. Vaughney would practice pulling it and cutting it. And his view, and that was like, that was the difference between the generations for mm. me, where Vaughney saw a positive outlook. Oh, that's all he saw. Whereas the other generations were like, fight for your life, you know. And, and the problem, they always say, you know, always teams talk about, let's have some real fight. Let's keep fighting out. I don't want to fight all the time. You know, if you, if you fight all the time, your fighters get beaten up. You don't want to get beaten up. You want to be the, you know, the one doing, throwing the punches and stuff like that. You don't want to be sitting there taking it all the time. Like they did, unfortunately, against that side. And, and we, we then saw that. And then you would have seen the new wave, which, and the, which finished in 2005, which is amazing, really, when you think we go from that trip, losing 4-1 to, what did we win? Well, you obviously won the Ashes in 2005 in, what, two, two, three years? Amazing. Yeah, and actually, I remember a story. For, we, got, we got picked in the one-day series. I was going to go home because Abby was born after that test match. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. They wouldn't let me go home because they picked me in that World Cup squad, didn't they? So I had to play in that one day series. Can you imagine that now, though? Stop, stop. That. Can you imagine not being allowed to go home to see oh, no. uh, the birth Fletcher of wouldn't let me go home. kids? But I got picked in that World Cup squad, which had to be picked by the end of the year. And by the time the World Cup yeah. come round, I was that I, I was that knackered and that not interested in playing cricket. Yeah. I couldn't bowl a hoop downhill, so I ended up on the drink for seven weeks with the with the media guys, but. <laughs> It was just, it, it, but on that on that middle bit in between the third and the fourth test match, me, you, and I remember a game in Melbourne, me, you, and Smokey sitting in the dugout when Adam Holyoke, you mean Adam Holyoke when uh, Gilchrist and Ponting were going berserk. I think Bats, who's part of our team, he was playing. And Bats, it might have been Bats in Jimmy's first game, and we were Jimmy we were having a debate that, on how Jimmy many, didn't speak, did he? No, he didn't say anything. <laughs> yeah, Jimmy. Unless Jimmy had a drink, he was. You he, he, he thought he like somebody had cut his tongue out, but he was like that, fun that was Bobby got, from France. <laughs> we got to remember Jimmy was only about eighteen then, eighteen nineteen. Yeah, then. he was. Yeah, but I remember that game, the one day game where we we got the one day series when we got picked, and I remember yeah, sitting I me, could, you and Smoke yeah. sitting, and it was like how many off this next over, how many off this next <laughs> over, and. I think there was a, there was a, remember at one time we we started celebrating when somebody one of them hit six and we were on a big screen and everyone Nasser and that was looking yeah. at us. It was just a weird and bizarre time. It was, but it was you know we were twenty three at the very at the start of our careers and they were a lot of those guys were coming towards the end and Australia were too good. I remember Adam Hollyoak, he was brilliant, Smokey, wasn't he? Because he came in for that one day trip. I remember when he spoke, everyone just sort of listened. And, there, you know, there was some unbelievable... I mean, you look at those players, like Stewie. Stewie still is England's best, in my opinion, best ever wicketkeeper batsman. Mm. You know, Nasser was... A, Nasser averaged over 40 in Australia. I mean, he was a proper player. Michael Atherton, I didn't play with. No, but these are the... Graham Thorpe was one of my heroes. Mm. Graham Thorpe, I thought, was, you know, he was a great player. I used to love watching him bat. But they didn't win a lot because the players they played against were just... They were unbelievable. Wazim, Wackar, Pollock, Donald. So those guys have been through the ringer a lot. Yeah, and we were just coming out the other side of that. And that Ashes trip, I mean, it's one of the privileges of life as a cricketer. And it's sad that you know, people obviously do it against 
certain bowlers, but we played against Shane Warne. You know, mm-hmm. we I faced Shane Warne and Murley, and you know they ended up quite good mates of mine. But I mean, that was just that was a different. Gen- it was like the the great generation. You know, like people look at certain eras as ah, oh, the seventies was a great mm-hmm. era for you know everyone was out doing whatever and all that. In cricket, in turn, we caught the back end of like the golden age of cricket. Still to come on the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2, Rob Key discusses scoring a double hundred at Lords in 2004 and also looks ahead to life after cricket. This is the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. Oh, you couldn't wish for a better ball to put away for four to go past 200. Well played, Robert Key. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 as part of the following on podcast. Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison in conversation with the former England batsman Rob Key. In the final part of the show, the former Kent captain discusses the feeling of scoring a double hundred against the West Indies in 2004 and life after his playing days, his career at Sky Sports. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. You came into the West Indies series at Lords, That's right. and um, That's right. you know first Test match, you got two hundred. This is the thing that amazed me: you get two hundred and twenty-one in a Test match at Lords, and don't get man of the match. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Gilo got it, did he? For getting fourth. I mean, seriously, <laughs> I got, and then I got ninety on at Old Trafford, and didn't get on a last day pitch. Freddie and I got so and didn't get man of the match there. I thought, what is going on with this thing? But uh, yeah, that's right. And I, I played, then got dropped, and then come back again. And I was having a great year. That was the form of my life that year. I got a thousand runs by the first day of June. And yeah, I remember. I remember because the Queen was there, wasn't she? Queen and I was, was there, about. Yeah. I was ninety odd, not out. I think at T. And Strauss who got a hundred. And normally, I mean, this is back from the Kent days. I would come in. And I'd go straight away, and you know, and if you were quick enough, you know, tea could be like a two-cigarette break. And I apologise if there's kids listening, <laughs> but that was what it was like back then, you know. So I'm like rushing in, and they said, "Keys, you got, we got to meet the Queen, do you know the lineup thing?" I'm like, "Hang up, so I'm like, just trying to get, a, you know, get one cigarette down." This sounds I'm embarrassed by myself. <laughs> so I then go down, and I'm sort of waiting to meet the Queen, and she sort of comes up. I didn't know what to call her, and anyway, she just moved off because someone thought I reckon tells her on the side. <laughs> and then Prince Philip came next. So I could do without this. I just want to have another bag. <laughs> Why am I going to meet these people? I'm trying to concentrate. But anyway, yeah, that was that. And uh, that's just out there to be hit, isn't it? It's just short. It's wide. Rob Key goes on to 50. And then so you, went, you, you, you did mention the 93, but I've got to ask, you know, actually it was, uh, not many people knew at the time how sort of big and, you know, that, that 93 was because I think it was the third time that summer we chased over 200 in the fourth innings. But when Fred walked out to bat, I think he went at number five. Normally at six, he went at number five. Is because Thorpe had been hit on a finger. Thorpe broken finger, yeah. yeah and Thorpe right. was in hospital, who had fainted after getting an injection, so he wasn't coming back. And it was like that's yeah, you know, it's even more you know, more important that we don't break this partnership because Best and Edwards bowled bowled lively then. Great. But the conversation between the two best mates in the middle when you're ninety <laughs> not out, needing twelve fifteen to win, 
and he doesn't. Fred doesn't get you to 100. Doesn't let you get to 100. No, but but that was my fault. And he said before, like he, he said a few times, it's a big regret of his. It just annoys me because I said, to, <laughs> as he knows, I said to him. And so what happened was we we, we played. I tell you, Fidel bowled quite quick that day. And remember, Old Trafford's a side on wicket, so it's horrible. You look so much quicker if you see it from side on. And I batted three, which I didn't often open for England, which was my spot. I didn't enjoy three. But the lot, Fidel was sort of running up and, and Fred was sledging Dwayne Bravo. I think you can see it on YouTube. It's quite funny. Not that that was the Mind the Windows series, mm. Bettino. But he also had another go at Dwayne Bravo, who was sledging me. You know, and it was quite, he, he was good, actually. He's, he's got timing, hasn't he, Fred? But I was on 90 when we needed 10 to win. And Fred must have been on 40 or 50, I can't remember. And that, But they've given up. They're bowling Sarwan or someone, I can't remember. And he says to me in the middle, he said, how many do you need for your 100? I said, well, I'm on 90. I need 10. I mean, seriously, even you could do that. And he went, no, I know. Yeah, but what should we do? I, I said, don't worry about that. Let's just win the game. I mean, that's... And because at that point, and I still don't really regret it, but it, at that point, that to me, I thought, you know, you always think you're going to get more hundreds and get more yeah. opportunities. And that's sort of like, oh, I'll get hundred another time. Don't worry, mate, be fine. But we'd grown up. I mean, obviously you weren't there because, you you know, you can't bat. <laughs> but <laughs> I remember thinking if we walk off the field, you know, that to me, you know, which is why I probably wasn't as good as I should have been. I enjoy, I loved that. I preferred that to the 200, yeah. walking off with your best mate. And then there's a picture I've got of me, you and Fred at the Oval when we won that series 4-0. Yeah. I don't really have many pictures or anything at home, which are the two of my sort of, when people are, you know, they're the two things that I enjoyed most. Scoring runs for England on the odd occasion, doing it with Fred in one game, and then winning a series with you, him, you know, that was, I count myself very lucky because I don't reckon many people get to do that. They don't get to play with their, you know, their best, you know, we all think we, we're mates in cricket. Yeah, but, you know, to some extent, but there's a lot of people you don't like. But I was lucky enough to do with my two best mates, which, you know, I wouldn't tra trade for anything, I don't Yeah, I remember that picture. And walking off there and with Fred, as you mentioned, is, you know, is special, but it's gone a double hundred at Lord's. Walking off there, doing that—that—that's some of—that's some, of, that's some achievement. Something I know you said you thought at, Edge, it, it, at Old Trafford, on hindsight, looking back, you think you get more hundreds, you get more of a chance. But to score a double hundred at Lords is, you know, it's a ridiculous thing to do. Oh, look, it, it, it served me well, I think. Yeah, it's, I'm lucky. I, you know, it, it's a good thing to have your name up on the board. That's special, I think. Stuff mm. like that to be remembered, not by many, but. Your name will always be there for as long as Lords is there, I'd imagine. And every time I go back, you know, if I end up in the home dressing room, whatever we're doing at Sky or whatever, it's always, you know, you no one can ever take that away from you. But you know, it's like it's sort, it's done. I, I'm not one to look back really, but I do. I, I remember the feeling of raising your bat for a hundred for England is, you know, that the absolute ultimate. But it's like everything in life, you know, you. You achieve it, and then you got to go again and again. It's just never ending, is it? You just—it's infinite. You got to keep on trying to improve. And I, you know, and that's my one moment, I suppose, when I did it. And after that, it was a case. Of, I just felt, and now you—you don't know what, whether you could see it or whether you've got a strong opinion on it. But me and Fred always felt that strong that because me and Fred were always classed as you know, we we didn't really 
conform the management. Establishment, basically. Yeah, yeah we're yeah. a bit Anti different. establishment troublemakers. You yeah, say, we're yeah. troublemakers. And I think because <laughs> you, your allegiance was closer to us than it was to the Spice Boys, um, who, <laughs> Spice you know, Boys. what, what, um, what the, the Fletcher's right hand man. Do you feel as though that hampered your <laughs> chances moving forward? Well, Fletcher called it the critical mass, didn't he? And Vaughan, where they wanted, like, you know, the, the, the core of the side had to be all they felt pulling in the right direction. And, and in R3, you know, you and Fred were you know, unbelievable cricketers, and I just wasn't quite in that bracket. So maybe it did, but you can always score more runs. I'm not particularly bitter about it. You know, NASA calls us the, uh, and the, the, the lot of Sky called me, you and Fred, the axis of evil from <laughs> those days. But they realise the axis of evil now. We're the ones, you know, we were we were the ones who got it right. <laughs> but changed no, his opinion um, a bit, has he? Nias, yes. your old Mister Grump, he's changed his opinion a little bit of the old axis of evil now, hasn't he? No, he, he, I think you see the thing about NASA is is that I don't reckon anyone really knew what he did for English cricket behind the scenes. Mm. And he was not one of those, was he? That he he's not like a he's what I call it Donald Pleasantries. He's not one for the all right, mate. Uh, hey, you know the small talk. He's just to the point. And when you're 23, that's a little bit daunting. But no, he, he's he's been brilliant. But the, the problem is, I suppose, is that you know I was never the best fielder. You know I never looked the fittest, albeit. You know, I, I generally did pretty well on all the fitness tests and I worked quite hard, barring a few bad habits. But when you like that and, you know, your mates with you two, you know, burdens, you know, you have to score a lot of runs. Mm. And I didn't score enough, you know. And you also got to remember, I was around at a time, un- unfortunately, when you're Trescothic, I think one of England's best ever openers. I'd put Trescothic ahead of Cookie and Strauss, you know. But then you also had Cook and Strauss. Cook more runs than any player ever for England and more than Gooch or anyone that we grew up watching and then you had Ian Bell 20 plus test hundreds Kevin Peterson the best batsman ever to play for England you just had Michael Vaughan who was one of England's best ever captains and on his day was the best you know number one ranked batsman in the world so for all the other you know yes you know you Fred and all that stuff I, I don't pay too much to that to be honest I think it's more there was just some bloody good players ahead of me. And, you know, I was part of a generation that sort of pushed that lot forward and was on the cusp of it, as opposed to being in the thick of it. But, you know, Trot then came in, he averaged 50 almost. So it wasn't an easy side to get in. Now, I mean, you know, everyone was getting a go, weren't they? Now they're starting to find a bit of a formula. Yeah. And now, you know, you've mentioned, um, NASA's come up a lot in our in our chat because he was part of our <laughs> upbringing. He was part of my sort of education in the cricket in, like you said before, as much as he is Captain Grumpy and, you know, he got <laughs> abused for telling me what to do. And so, yeah, I still think he is the best person I've, I've met, I met Nasser Hussain at the right time for Steve Harmison's career. My career needed yeah. Nasser Hussain to come into it and tell me, you know, educate me on, on you know, where the game was going. And I'm forever thankful. I would never say that to his face, but I'm forever thankful for you share the commentary box now with the likes of, you know, I mentioned Shane Warne and, you know, Ricky Ponting, yeah. Kumar Sangakara from overseas. And, you know, how enjoyable is it now to to see the game from a different side? And does it help having, you know, the, the, the little bits of ups and downs that you did have in your career when you're talking about other people forging their own careers? 
Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I'm sort of, I, I count myself as very lucky to have sort of, while you were all playing for England, I was working for Sky, you know, in the winter. So I was, I was earning a, learning a trade. I didn't realise it, but I was, you know, from 2005, six onwards, I was in the studio, you know, doing stuff, punditing you guys playing. So I've done like 10, 15 years of broadcasting. I didn't know I'd done it, but I did when it came to my, to me to retire. So I count myself as very lucky to have done that. But also, you know, I mean, you've got Michael Atten, England captain, Nasser Hussain, England captain, uh, Shane Warne, greatest bowler ever. So, I, you know, and the thing about them is, you, you know, they love the game. And I back my cricket brain. I captained for nine years. So you've got, you know, you've got to hold your own in that environment, which isn't easy, but they're very generous. You know, they're, they're Nasser, Nasser Atten. Are two of the you know they're the best broadcasters in the world I think in, in across sport because you know they could they com they they're bloody good commentary commentary really is about I think you know it's talk you know, obviously talking about the sport and all of that but what it what it is in a lot of ways is getting the big moments right so you imagine the big moments so when something happens Jimmy Anderson's six hundredth wicket that World Cup final where Ian Smith I mean that bloke's a genius mm. as well. Ian Smith and Nasser at the end, calling that. I mean, imagine if you mock that up. That is, I mean, that's where commentators in football, they're brilliant at, you know, on talk sport with all those football commentators and stuff. That is, you know, lead, you know, the lead commentator who's calling the big moments. And that's where Nasser and I are two of the best, really. And you, I'm learning and trying to learn how to do it. You know, it's, it's not an easy skill. It looks easy, but I can tell you it's not. <laughs> Easy, I appreciate your time. You talk about all the, the goods and the greats and you know I could talk to you for well we do talk for hours, but you know the one <laughs> thing I will say is throughout my career you've helped me loads off the field to get me through some of the, the dark times. Um and I appreciate your time talking to us today. Cheers, Bob. I think I'm gonna cry. I mean <laughs> an emotional moment. You know, yeah, it wasn't what he was saying you the other day. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Steve. Well done. You've been listening to the Cricket Collective on Talksport 2, our exclusive interview between the Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison and the former England batsman Rob Key. Big thanks to them both. If you missed any of the show or wish to catch up, listen back to the podcast now available via the free Talksport app. And for more content like this, make sure you subscribe to Following On wherever you get your podcasts. This has been the Cricket Collective on Talksport 2. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.